Welcome back, everybody, to the Millennial Outliers podcast. I'm your your host, Tyler Ardrin. With me, as always, is my partner in crime, Justin Deal. What's up, Ty guy? How we feeling? Doing well, brother. Doing well. So uh, before you continue listening, make sure you go to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcast. We're on there. Please like and subscribe. Listen to our episodes. Um, you're, you're definitely going to get a bunch of takeaways from them. So if you don't mind, like and subscribe. And let's get to this episode. So with us today is a new guest, Mr. John Lorenzo, uh, who we've both known for probably, I don't know, five, 10 years, I would say. Um, and we brought John in because uh, he is an entrepreneur. He owns his own business. And um, yeah, let's uh, let's get started, man. Yeah. How you doing, John? Hey, guys. Thank you so much for uh, having me on the podcast today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, so Millennial Outliers, I guess it's all about um, kind of being a millennial and we're all entrepreneurs, kind of the outliers in that little group there. Um, part of my story is uh, I'm a Penn State dropout. I went to Penn State for two years. It was my dream school. And uh, I said, hey, I'm going to be an engineer. My dad always told me, you're going to be an engineer. And then I ended up engineering a lot of drinks at parties instead. Uh, yeah. And uh, but that. you know what? It's <laughs> nice. all it all comes full circle. A few years later, um, here I am, business owner, growing our business up to ten people. And my mom actually uh, brought it up to me probably about a year ago now. It's like you know what you got kicked out of Penn State for is what you're kind of doing now. And I was just <laughs> like, you're right, mom. I'm glad you finally see that it wasn't just a big waste of money. <laughs> but uh, you know, Penn State, it's it's where I, uh, I learned to connect with people. Mm-hmm. I was the rush chair of my fraternity. So it was all about, you know, bringing people into the fraternity, making them feel comfortable, getting them to join. And, and that's essentially business development. That's sales right there, right? Getting that customer to trust you, uh, connecting with them on a, a personal level and then saying, hey, all right, are you ready to make that sale? Awesome. Let's do it. Uh, so went to Penn State for two years, engineered a whole bunch of drinks, threw some parties, got kicked out, uh, went home. And um, I ended my entrepreneur journey started when I was 22 and I took over the job. That was my first job in high school. Uh, it was a company called PostNet. And uh, it's a franchise, a national franchise. At the time, I think they had around 500 locations. And uh, my location in Sicklerville, it just wasn't doing great. And uh, I always wondered why it wasn't doing great because there was also another store probably about 15 minutes down the road in Washington Township. And he was one of the fastest growing stores. And our stores opened around the same time. So I was just like, why does our store suck? And this guy is 15 minutes down the road and he's one of the best in the country. So I studied him and I was just like, all right, it looks like uh, PostNet is more than just like a FedEx office where you can come and get your copies and your shipping done. What he focused on was being a business center and serving their graphic design and printing needs. So I was just like, ah, okay, okay. I I see what we're doing here. So in five years, we focused solely on really trying to grow the graphic design and printing business uh, of PostNet. And in five years, we grew to be a top 50 in the country. And then I realized that nobody knows PostNet as a graphic design and printing company. And I also got tired of them telling me what I can and what I can't do. I was like, what? I'm bringing you all the ideas. I'm coming (laughs) up with all these ideas. I'm running my own marketing campaigns. You guys aren't helping me build this business. In fact, your hands are in my cookie jar and you're just taking every dollar, a piece of every dollar that I make. So I got frustrated and I said, um, you know what? We're going through a breakup at the moment, like in my personal life at that time. I I went to Mexico, drank a bunch of tequila, looked out into the ocean. I said, 
screw it. Let's hit the reset button. <laughs> Let's do this all over again and take what we learned and uh, apply it to our own business. So I came home and uh, looked at my staff and I said, we're closing up shop. And my staff was just like, great, we're all out of jobs. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but I said, hey, trust me, guys, we're going to do this bigger and better than we ever have. I've got a plan. So our plan was to basically close down on July 4th weekend and uh, eventually reopen as 22 Creative. And uh, the name 22 Creative came about because it was me and my little brother and Felicia and her little brother who were the original uh, four employees or team members at 22 Creative. Uh, we say 22 instead of 22 because it was those two families. But at 22, that's when I became an entrepreneur. My birthday is on the 22nd. Uh, Felicia and her husband got married on the 22nd. Everything just happened to revolve mm. around that number 22. Uh, so here we are six years later. We're doing about a million dollars in business and grew our team to be about 10 people strong. And uh, now we're trying to figure out, okay, we did it, but still not enough. Now how do we get to two? How do we get to five? Wait, hold on. Before – because yeah. I feel like we're skipping over a lot of really good things here. We're yeah. kind of going a little fast with. So let's jump back to how did you go from in between college, right? So yeah. you know, academically ineligible, you leave. How, what happened between that and post-net? So, yeah, because we like to concentrate on the story as well, right? Sure. There's somebody's out there. They're going through a similar situation. The quick timeline, you know, what was the pain? What drove you to actually get into post-net? And how did you come up with the capital? Yeah, so... Uh, when I left Penn State, my parents were like, you can't just be a Penn State dropout. You have to keep going to school. Um, I'm first generation American here. I'm first born. My parents are from the Philippines. And um, you know, education and the Asian culture is extremely important to them. Mm -hmm. um, and me being the eldest uh, of not just my family, but all of my cousins, I kind of was the one who was supposed to set the example. So didn't exactly set the right example. Uh, but my dad and my mom were like, hey, you got to do something. So I said, all right, I'm going to go to Gloucester County College. I'm going to go for business administration. I'm going to I'm going to figure it out from there. Uh, at the time, it was mostly just to appease them. And I knew like business administration is something that I could apply to like kind of anything. Yeah. Don't not sure where it was going to go, but sounded like it was a good idea. <clears throat> um, and at that time, my boss from that post net, he was just like, hey, come back. He loved me as an employee. Uh, but going into that, like, I think about a year and a half in, he was just like, hey, this isn't working for me. I can't do this anymore. Uh, so we actually sold it to absentee owners uh, and the absentee owners needed a full time manager. So while I was at school at Gloucester County, I was also the full time manager at that location. And then another year passed and he's like, hey, this isn't working out. We're I'm not making money fast enough. You're doing a really awesome job, but um, I'm either going to close the doors or I want to sell it to you. So mm. I didn't want to see the doors close because I was working so hard to build it. And I, I saw that other store that's down the street and they're growing and we're like not catching up yet, but we're making progress. I was just like, oh, man, it's a shame. Like, I want to make this happen. So I went to my parents. I went to my parents and I said, hey, guys, I have this opportunity. Um, I, I think I could really make this into something. And I like I like being in charge of my future. You know, I'm a big part of uh you get out what you put in, yeah. and uh, I've never been one for failure, especially if it's something so important to me. Um, I knew I had staff that I've hired at that store, too, at that time. I was like, I didn't want to just let them down or let myself down. So I, I told him, I was like, hey, I really think I could do this. Here's my plan. I need a little money. And um, my parents hear, heard me out, and they said, okay, we'll loan you the money. And um, 
that loan is honestly one of the things that drives me uh, because I was just like, man, my parents at that time too, my, my dad was the only one working. My mom was taking care of her parents. So I was basically, it was just my dad taking yeah. care of us. So I was like, all right, I know they need that money. Like that's probably their nest egg. Mm -hmm. That's their retirement fund. A lot of responsibility with that money. A lot yeah. of responsibility to just give it to a 22 year old kid who's taking over a business that's technically failing. So uh, I knew they rolled the dice and I was just like, hey, I got to make sure that they rolled the right way. Yeah. Um, so that's what drove me at the beginning of like, hey, we got we got to work whatever hours it took. We got to learn as fast as we can. Um, at that time, I was also going to school. Uh, when I finished my business administration associates, they wanted me to go to Rowan. And uh, I went for like a year almost. I took an entrepreneurship class. And that was also the same year that I became an entrepreneur myself. And I absolutely hated that class. <laughs> I was like, it was like fake. It was yeah. fake. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, like, what it's is a this textbook. It's not actual yeah. experience. What does this professor yeah. tell me? <laughs> yeah, this professor's like giving us all this fluff. And like, I'm looking around and these kids are like eating it up. And yeah. I'm like, this is not how it happened <laughs> at all. <laughs> uh, so I like went at it with her one day. And, and I was just like, hey, you know what? Uh, all due respect. That shit, that's not how it happens. Yeah. So uh, I'm a drop in your class. And uh, I went to my parents later that day and I was just like, hey, at the end of the semester, I'm going to finish it out, but I can either go all in on this business or I could go half ass on both yeah. and risk losing that money yeah, yeah, yeah. that you guys tr entrusted me. And um, I was just like, I need to focus. Yeah. So uh, they said, all right, do what you got to do. And um, again, that was another driving force of like, all right, we got to make this happen. We can't, we can't let my parents down. Yeah. They've given me, they ha really have no reason to trust me to make this happen because I haven't really proved myself outside of you know, getting kicked out of Penn State. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I got to make this happen. Yeah, a couple things with that. So, cause we, we share a lot of similarities in that oldest, you know, messing up in college. And you said something about the example. And yeah. I think one thing that you, you kind of, it's easier to see now looking back, but we did set an example and it was just what the hard path was. Yeah. It wasn't what the traditional route was going to be because that's not the material we were cut from. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and also just for people that are paying attention there. So he wasn't, I mean, you could argue he wasn't handed anything, right? He was at the right time. He was at, you know, risking at a, a business that he had built leverage in. People believed in him. So he had proved his worth to the community to even have the opportunity to buy it. And he had enough conviction and know all to then talk to his parents about it, get the money, get that business started. So a lot of times I only said to say this, people think that it's like these things just kind of just happened overnight and that there was no struggle and there wasn't game planning and there wasn't you know, sleepless nights or stress and anxiety. Yeah. And a lot of the story, that's why I wanted to cut back to it, because yeah. I knew we were missing a lot of the meat. We kind of gave that the Instagram highlight reel right there. Yeah, right. True, true, true. But like I, we want to get into that nitty gritty. So. So now you've taken on the business, right? You have kind of this debt over your your head that's not like tied to a bank. It's tied to your your parents' well-being and future. Yeah. So lead us. How does things go with PostNet? I know you go into the Revco work. So take us through that journey now. Yeah. So so PostNet was like, you know, we grew it to be a top 50 in the country. And it was really just through hard work. And um, in that time, I met Felicia, who was uh, a graphic designer for me at the time. And we became a great yin and yang. I was more of the front of the house. I'm very more out. I'm much more outspoken. So I was the one to bring business in and she was the one to go and get business out. And I think it's really important that you have that and, and know, are you better at 
the back of the house of your business, getting the work done, or are you better at the front of the house of the business? Um, so like if you're out there thinking about starting a business, look yourself in the mirror. Are you better at the front of the house work or getting this stuff out? And it's okay because you can't be great at both. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think I would be here and have the success that I have uh, have had if it wasn't for Felicia and running into her. Uh, so from there, it was always, all right, I'm out there networking. I'm building my reputation. I'm on all of these committees and boards proving that I'm not just this 22, 23-year-old kid, um, kind of like a salesperson out there because my t- company told me to. Like, this is my company. This is my paycheck. Every job that we get in is uh, I'm eating when I kill. Yeah. Um, so just five hard years of that. And then I just realized, like, I'm never going to get out of this hole because PostNet, they tell me where I can open up shop. They tell me, hey, you can, yes, you can move there when your lease is up. And I was just like in these locations that were costing astronomical amounts of money. They were taking, I think it was like 7% of every dollar that we make. Um, And they were just putting me in just losing positions. So I was just like, you know what? I can do this better. I don't need this brand called PostNet that nobody really knows in the area because there's only two of us. Uh, and we want to be a graphic design printing company. We want to help our local small business community grow their businesses through our design and printing services. Uh, and that's just, that's not what you get when you hear a name called PostNet. So uh, fast forward to closing time, went through that breakup. I said, all right, let's let's do this. How, how did, so real quick, how yeah. did that break up? Because this was... Postnet's a franchise. Breakup. Yeah. They're a franchisor, right? Yes. So how did the, not your personal breakout. Yeah. <laughs> the breakup <laughs> with Postnet. How, how did, did that go? How did that go? And, you know, because yeah, I'm sure the there's similar, work, right. there's yeah. people in your shoes that are probably in the same boat. Like I have a franchisor here and, you know, a lot of times franchisors, they're taking the royalties and then, yeah. you know, they're telling you what you can, can and can't do. Right. They, they were like, hey, why are you closing? Like you're growing, you're being one of the best you're, you're becoming one of the best post nets in our system. And I was just like, you know what? It's just not for me. And I kind of lied my way out of it. Mm. I was just like, it's just not for me. I don't see myself really going much further with this business. You guys know I'm one of the youngest franchisees in the system. Uh, what it, Where I thought I was going isn't where I think I'm going now for the next five years. So I kind of just gave them a bunch of fluff. And they were cool letting you out and not really. They were like, (laughs) that's where we're trying to get to. They learned a lot of lessons from me. That's for sure. Because after I left and they finally uncovered kind of my plan, (laughs) uh, they were like, okay, we cannot let any of our franchisees off the hook like they did with me. Um, But so they didn't have that in place when when you did. Not as strict. Okay. As they do now, so you cost you cost them even more money because that that attorney's fee went up. They had to update those yeah, uh, yeah. those contracts, contracts. yeah <laughs> agreements. Almost oh. a year after they came after me for my non compete, and what I it took them almost a year to catch up to them because I created this uh, co working space because in the retail location that we signed a lease for, for PostNet, I personally guaranteed that lease. Mm. So it was in my name. So I couldn't just walk away. It was a lot of money. It's in your name. Like it's in my name. So I was like, all right, how do I open up shop without getting caught? And um, at that time, it was, this was like when WeWorks were getting like really popular. Mm. Yep. So WeWorks and I was just like co-working. I was like, oh, renting space, creating this business community. And then a light bulb went off in my head. I was like, I can create an office in the back of this place, put the new company in there 
and just focus on building a community of business owners. And that would be my business development plan. Uh, and it kind of worked and it kind of worked. And I even had some, uh, I had so much support from like ex postnet employees or franchisees and they would literally call me. I'm like, Hey John, I think they're sending a secret shopper to your location. <laughs> and I was just like, what? Everybody get down. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, I hear that it's, it's going to happen on this day. So I literally closed up shop that oh, day. Wow. I was just like, close <laughs> for a special event. <laughs> and, that. uh, wild. you know, that's just another testament to, Business is all about personal relationships. Yeah. Amen. You know, you got, like, the mid, you got that inside track. I had that <laughs> inside track. I had so many people rooting for me and they're like, I get what this kid's doing. Like he's just trying to build a future for himself. And mm -hmm. if that wasn't with PostNet, that he shouldn't be stuck there. Yeah. Right. So yep. that was my plan is I created this co-working space, Rev Cowork. It, it helped me create this whole business community. And what I learned during that process is that, you know, I love my chamber of commerces, but they're a lot of people think they're not big enough for a chamber of commerce. You know, mm -hmm. it's a lot of banks, it's a lot of attorneys, a lot of insurance companies, it's a lot of bigger businesses that a lot of people see in those chambers. And what I learned is that there's so many startups and there's so many small businesses who wanted to connect with each other, they just didn't know how. So through this Rev Cowork, co-working space, it wasn't a big location too. Uh, you know, if, if you're thinking about WeWork, WeWork's like a whole building. My Rev Cowork space was literally like 1350 square feet. It was a retail location. I didn't even have a conference room. I literally split the space in half. And I said, hey, my marketing company with my printing equipment is in the back of it. And in the front was literally two long ass tables with TVs on the walls and some desks. And um, I really mostly just focused on, I said it was a pilot program. I was like, let's see if we can build a community. Let's see if people want desk space. Let's see if they want to go from uh, going to that Starbucks that was literally next door from our location and paying, I don't know what, eight bucks a latte and working mm -hmm. there all day to let me now pay a hundred bucks a month for a seat, any seat at this co-working space. And what we learned is they don't. And I think that's why you see a whole lot of uh, WeWorks in trouble right now because they, they don't. You don't go from... I'm, let me buy my coffee and I'll be good all day. And I think I only learned this week that Starbucks will give you free refills on iced coffees. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> good to know. Yeah, I know, right? So yeah, hack right, right there. there for any startup <laughs> entrepreneurs. Work at Starbucks. Get an iced coffee. <laughs> ask for a free refill. They will do that for you. And continue uh, working. Yeah. Um, but it was a great pilot program. But what I really learned from that pilot program was just how strong or how how lacking this, the small business community was in just any kind of community in our area. So that was huge. I have some of my best clients still today that have come from that co-working space, that little pilot program, uh, Trifecta Therapeutics in Glassboro. Oh, yeah. They now have two locations and they've got more in the works. Um, some of the GLS painters, I, there's so many businesses that I met there from startup phase with me mm. that we've all grown together. And it's so cool to see that, that, I was able to create some kind of a community and we've all stuck together still. Um, I think you and I, Justin, met yeah. from that thing. You came to one of our events, one of our Coffee and Connections. And here I am on their podcast now. It's so cool. And mm -hmm. um, you know, that's mostly the part that I love about being an entrepreneur, about mm -hmm. being in business, is that when you become an entrepreneur, it's, uh, it's really lonely uh, unless you come from a family of entrepreneurs. Probably most of your friends are employees mm -hmm. yep. and making <laughs> that switch in your mind from employee mindset to an owner mindset 
is really challenging and really lonely. So by creating that community of small business owners and like-minded individuals, that's why we've been able to keep this bond so strong because where else do you go and find other entrepreneurs? Unless you're brave enough to go door to door and be like, hey, I'm a local entrepreneur. Are you a local entrepreneur? Yeah. Do you want to go hang out and grab a coffee or a beer? Yeah. That doesn't happen really. <laughs> like nobody really has the balls to go do that. <laughs> so uh, like creating that community was so cool. And and that was um, that was our little plan to get out of our co- or out of our uh, non-compete. They came after go. me hard. Yeah. They did. They did. Uh. But uh, <laughs> they cost me a lot of money and uh, I just played chicken with them. And yeah. I was just like, cool, lawyer up. Awesome. Here's my lawyer. My lawyer's over in Cherry Hill. He helped me out. I literally met him from a BNI group uh, here, and um, they helped me fight him until they were like, "Hey, you need a Colorado attorney because they were based out of Colorado." Okay, wow. And then my my ex Postnet um, staff over there, they were like, "Hey, I heard what you're going through. You need to talk to this attorney." Yeah, like, they oh, shit, over. Thank you so yeah, much. Why well, pays to be a good person, man. right? You Take never know when you need it. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. they helped me out, and we literally played chicken until our court date. And they were like, all right, we're not actually going to go to court because that's going to cost us even more money. Yep. Yeah. So Only the attorneys win there, right? Exactly. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, nobody's going to win here. We're both going to lose. I was like, all right, well, what do you want? And they're like, an extra year of your non-compete and $5,000. So I was like, serious? Do you know how much money we spent and how much time we spent and that's all you want out of me? <laughs> I was like, yeah. fine, here, take it and leave me alone. But I had to, I had to stay low profile again for another year. But I just kept doing that kind of co-working space. Yeah. And uh, luckily, I was really honest, too, with my landlord. I was like, hey, this is everything that's going on. And um, I need you to work with me. I'm going to be a little late on my rent payments, but trust me, I'm going to pay you because I need to pay this attorney. Like, I got to go keep that going so that I can keep this going. And um, he was just like, okay, no problem. I appreciate your honesty. Uh, And I was just like, hey, in the meantime, can you look for a new tenant for this place? and get me out as soon as possible. And he was just like, all right, I'll start, I'll, I'll start looking. And um, just honesty going, that mm-hmm. made such a huge difference. Yeah. And that taught me so much. And that's, that's how I approach everything now. It's just like, hey, if something goes wrong, uh, an install doesn't go right, a print job gets messed up, just be honest. We're all human, but you better do everything that you have to do to make it right, right? Mm-hmm. Even if it costs you money. Because people are only going to say three things when they ask, hey, where did you get your your sign done? They're either going to say, go to John because he killed it. He was awesome. Or they're going to say, ah, if they had an okay experience, they're going to be like, ah, it's, you know, Google. Someone's around there. I could do it. Or they're going to say, definitely don't go to John. He messed up my sign. He didn't do anything to do it right. You know, so like when, when you're a start, startup entrepreneur or you're just an entrepreneur in general, I always just think if I'm faced with a situation where I'm not sure what to do, What's going to give me the positive outcome, right? What is going to make sure that this person says positive things about me even after this situation? And that's just how I go about life. That's it. There you go. So why don't you jump into, so we'll get into the evolution of where 2-2 is gone. But when you started, you know, everybody makes the joke, print is dead, right? Yeah. So why don't you speak on that a little bit? What trends have you been seeing over the last few years? What's working for folks? Yeah. What's worth to spend our money on? Uh, so like print is an interesting business because it's everywhere. Uh, I'm looking at Justin right now. If you're listening, Justin's got millennial outlier shirt and a hat on. Uh, we will always need gear to wear, right? Mm -hmm. We're always going to need shirts. You don't want to be that HVAC company that shows up to somebody's house and and messed up clothes. You want them to show up in, in some branded things. 
So I don't think Prince going anywhere, you're still always going to need a sign. Mm -hmm. There's never going to be a a time where even on a vehicle, we replace it with digital signs. Uh, Prince not dead and and new businesses are starting up every single day. And uh, I've really grown to love printing because it's tangible. Mm -hmm. There's just something different about when we design somebody's logo and they see it on the screen, they're like, oh, that's cool. But when, when when we give them their first business card, with their logo on it, they're like, oh, this is real. It's real. Yeah, yeah it's real. It's yeah. still that tangible thing. So I don't – like print's never going anywhere. And over the years, we've just been adding to our printing services. But now what we're really trying to do is figure out, okay, we offer everything. We offer apparel. We offer marketing materials. We can do your trade show signage. We can do your wraps. Giveaways. We can do your giveaways. Yeah. We can do literally any kind of printed graphics we can do. But we need to, as a company to scale, figure out what are our entrees and what are our side dishes? Mm. What are the things that we want to be known for that is worth our time and what's scalable? Because there's only eight hours in a day if you want to have some kind of work-life balance. How can I, what services can I offer that's actually scalable? And what are just going to be some side dishes? Mm. So that's kind of the stage that we're in right now. So, what, awesome. so let's jump into that. So yeah. what what are the now entrees that you're finding? I, we've seen a ton of evolution, I'd yeah. say, since the pandemic, right, to be fair. Yeah. You know, everybody's least favorite word of pivot. Um, you kind of had to do that. People were in their houses. They weren't handing out business cards, weren't wearing as much swag, unless mm-hmm. you were me, because I'm always in hats in my own gear. <laughs> but outside of that, you know. How did you come up with what were those entrees? Sure. Uh, so we, we tried to figure out what was the worth our what got us the highest return on our investment of time what can we do the most of in a certain amount of time and what we figured out is we have kind of two sides of our business we have the printing side and then we have the creative side so i have four full-time graphic designers on my team and logos has actually become one of those things Uh, we have designed a four-step process to how we do our logos it goes through discovery and then design and revisions and final delivery we've been refining that process to figure out okay how do we almost productize this so that it's easier and faster to sell you know and then easier and faster to kind of get through the production line even something like a logo, there is a process that you can create to kind of be a lot more efficient. Uh, And also just the cost of everything these days, it's just too expensive. You can't just keep hiring employees Mm -hmm. because if you can't give them competitive livable wages, they're just gonna jump ship and find the next job. So on one side of our house, logo design has become one of our uh, entrees for sure. On the printing side of the house, it's still a lot of the marketing materials, but uh, the newest entree that we're really focusing in on is the wraps. Mm-hmm. And we can do everything from windows, walls, and vehicles. That is something that has been become scalable for us because people will always be getting new offices. They will always be getting new vehicles to add to their fleet. Uh, so that's just constant new business that we can work on. A couple uh, shout outs there real quick. I saw the Mastercraft wall you guys did. Shout out to Mike. That looked great. I was just with Levin's the other day. That's Snevel uh, Technologies truck. Oh, you saw his new truck? Nice. I mean, the GMC shout out to them too. The truck's pretty nice as well. But (laughs) that wrap, man, it does. It looks great. Thank you. And it's it's like that is we want to make that one of our entrees because that's a moneymaker for people. As soon as we put graphics on our van, every time we're in front of a job site working on it, Someone off the street comes by and says, oh, you do tint wrap and all of that stuff. 
uh, like, I, can I get your card? And my guy gets stopped at Wawa all the time. Like, oh, this is awesome. I need these services. So like we like that service because it's one of our printing services that definitely makes our customers money. Yeah. Uh, and we're all about trying to make our customers money because if they grow, we grow. Um, so at, at Tutu, why I really, really love it is because I don't really just think of Tutu Creative as like a graphic design printing company. On the surface it is. But what I see it as is we're a business community. Mm-hmm. We've worked with over 1,600 businesses in the last six years. Uh, I think that's more than a lot of the chambers of commerce have members. And as we grow, we're going to really try to figure out how do we harness that? We've got 1,600 people that we should be connecting because if we can connect them and they can do business with each other or just make a relationship, well, everybody wins. Everyone wins and we become more sticky. So retention, not a lot of people talk about like retention with their business. That's one of our retention plans. Mm-hmm. If I can figure out how to get you new business or make a connection for you, that's going to be, we're not just your printing company. We're literally your partner. Yeah. I don't want to be a vendor. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the way people should think about business we miss, right? Like I say that all the time with payday. My goal really isn't to get you for the payroll side. It's that's like part of what we do, but I want to support you in every other way. So yeah. having you on a podcast, having you on a TV show, bringing you to networking events. I was just literally calling clients the other day because somebody needed a bunch of subcontractors. And I was like, I don't know how to use tools. So I know all those people just started you know, uh, making intros. And it's funny, people aren't used to it. They'd be like, wait, what? You're my payroll guy. Why are you calling me about an investor buddy who needs a plumber? And I'm like, because I know everybody. Like, I want everybody to work together. Yeah. And that's really, I feel like, where the value is. If all you do is sell people things that help you, you're not really making that impact in the community, right? It's mm-hmm. about having that ripple kind of flow out and making yeah. everybody more proficient and efficient. Yeah, Correct. You, you get in that, you get lumped in with every other payroll company. You right. Know, ADP, paid checks, whoever. Um, by just selling them a service. Whereas, you know, if you're helping them grow their business, like what payroll company or insurance agency or design shop does that for their customers? Like that's Mm -hmm. something that they're going to remember. And your point, it's going to help with that retention and stickiness. Mm -hmm. It's going to help with referrals coming back from you um, while also holding, you know, holding the client. Exactly. And, you know, it gives you something to talk about with your clients when they don't need your services. Mm-hmm. Like we're point. each one of us, we, I offer printing services, Tyler's in insurance, uh, Justin's in payroll. You need those things. Everyone needs those things, but they don't need it every single day. Everyone has them. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's another thing, right? Like a lot of people probably don't switch their insurance or payroll companies until something happens. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how are you staying top of mind and creating value with those potential prospects in the meantime when they don't need your services? Yep. It could also, how many times does it probably happen in your guys' business where maybe they're not your customer, but they're one of your great referral partners. Mm-hmm. All the they time. send you business, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because like maybe sometimes like, hey, they have a, a one of their people that they work with is their client. So they want to make sure they support their client. But that doesn't mean that just because, you know, say another payroll company is their client doesn't mean that they can't also help you with referrals. Right. Right. And if you're only just constantly pushing your services, well, they're not going to think about you. There's another way to win. You're instead of opening up, like a lot of people need to open up their mentality instead instead of just hunting one client, create a referral partner who's going to get you more than one client. Yeah. There's way more value in that. Yep. And if you do a good job, uh, I think in all of our businesses, we're in the same boat. If they grow, we grow. Yep. 
right? Yeah. So like a lot of people, I think that's like a like a starvation kind of mentality. Uh, scarcity. Uh, mindset. Scarcity. scarcity mindset. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. I mean, I don't even go into an event or anything like that. Like, I don't even think to sell. You know, I've never. Pro- I've known you for six years. Yeah. I probably never asked you to do your insurance nah. <laughs> because, to your point, I've rather you know a referral system or relationship is a lot greater than me selling you one policy or yeah, you know whatever. Exactly. And most people don't get a like, Gina would always my wife. She would ask when I got home from events, like, did you get any business? I'm like, that's not what I was there. <laughs> yeah, my wife does that that's too. Not, like, <laughs> and that was in the beginning years. Like she knows now. <laughs> yeah. Now she's like, hey, did you make any connections for people? She still does. She knows that's like <laughs> my, my wife thing. Still says that's that. where I get a lot of my fulfillment is bringing value into the rooms that I go. And how do I make this room better? Right. Yeah. That's what helps everybody for the greater good. And it's a psychology thing. It's a karma thing. If I just constantly give to you guys, eventually you're going to be like, damn, Justin's always showing up for me. I got to try to do something for him, whether it's payroll or you follow me and you're like, oh, I see he's doing the fitness stuff. So I'm going to send him this cool thing. Or, you know, Dev just sent me, uh, I I posted the other day, like I was reorganizing my closet and he sent me like this. the shoe thing. I saw that. And I was like, oh, dude, I've been looking at them for like ever on Amazon. And I just, I I haven't bought them for It's one of those, like, like, you just don't want to spend your own money on for because you're like, whatever. Yeah. But those kind of things, like now again, top of mind. And now it's like, you know, how can I help Dev? Exactly. Exactly. It's like, all right, John, Justin, Tyler, they helped me get this new client. How do I help them back? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, it's a client in return. It's a referral in return, or it could be something cool. Like they bought something on Amazon. Or a golf outing that they invite you to. That's the stuff that we, I I wish, I hope more entrepreneurs get their minds around. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard to get new business. And when you're starting up, you're just like, where am I getting that next check? But, you can't be short-sighted yeah, just seeing game. that next check. Do you want your business to be around for 5, 10, 20 years? Do you want mm-hmm. to pass it on to your kids? Yep. Well, if that's the case, you better start thinking long-term vision, yeah. not just next check. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. you got to have that foresight to, you know, look ahead 5, 10 years, like, you know, like you said. Yeah. Now, on the um, on the rap thing, I know mm-hmm. uh, you're big in the cars like me. Yeah. So it's probably pretty cool, you know, you doing the whole rap thing because it's also cars is like a hobby to you too. It is. So I'm sure it you is. probably enjoy that. And they're all new models. And are passionate about it. For the most it. part, right? People are like, oh, here's the new GMC truck. Yeah. yeah. Drop off, check this out and wrap it. Dude, it's so cool when they literally go from uh, the dealership to straight you. to us. <laughs> and yeah. like, Did you even show this to your wife or your girlfriend? They're like, no, I just need you to get it done. I'm like, awesome. Awesome. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, no, I'm, I'm a huge car guy. I love cars. It's one of my passions. It's uh, Toyota guy. Toyota guy. Yeah, and me Lexus. and my dad uh, grew up just gearheads, just always wrenching. My dad took me racing. Um, we build cars in the backyard, and um, I'm I'm happy that this business has kind of created some opportunities for me to live that passion out one way or another. I definitely don't want to be fixing cars. No, no. that's pretty cool to wrap. (laughs) I'm good on that. But yeah, you were at the, um, the auto show, right? The Philly auto show promoting your, your tint business and everything. Yeah, absolutely. We were at the auto show, uh, promoting our, our tint and wrap services. And that was really cool. Uh, it's all a process to figure out where you can connect with those clients the best. Yeah. Uh, that one was okay, but it's mostly just consumers. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out like, all right, how do we reach a lot more of the businesses? We got a really cool connection lately. Um, Chick-fil-A had just started doing deliveries. Oh, yeah. I've seen their little vans. So yeah, they love you. Yeah, they love us. Yeah. Apparently, there is a, a company down in Mississippi called Dig Creative, and they literally have the accounts for national accounts for fleets. Mm. So they only work with national companies that have maybe 100 or more vehicles, but they don't 
do all of the wrapping. They do the design and the printing, so and then they look out. with local uh, to wrappers do the wrap. to mm-hmm. do the install part. So uh, fingers crossed. Don't want to put the cart before the horse, but we have an opportunity where Speaking we might into get existence, baby. a Let's whole go. bunch of. Should they reach out to you in November? Yeah. Or did you, okay? They reached out. And to they you. reached out to us because we had a relationship with one of the local Chick Fil A's here, and the person that came out to install the graphics on their building sucked. They did a terrible job. So they kept going back to dig and say, hey, need this fix, need this fix. And they're like, all right, we'll send the, the old the other people out. And they were like, no. Call John at 22 Creative. Mm, John and Felicia have always done right by us. Mm-hmm. They're the only ones that we want to go fix our windows. So that just created an opportunity for us to show what we could do. You know, All we're asking for is an opportunity to shoot our shot. Mm-hmm. We shot it, slam dunk. And they were like, hey, you guys are awesome. We have all of this other work that we potentially might need in the coming months. Or would you be open to doing that? And I was like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Love that. Exciting stuff. Again, it's all relationships. Yeah. yeah. Now, one of your, yeah. I love to use that, uh, the restaurant kind of uh, uh, analogy. comparison yeah. you know, analogy earlier. So I know that's one of your other passions outside of cars. And you've you've been uh, kind of teasing the bringing back stupid good eats. So yeah, dude. why don't we talk about that <laughs> a little bit, Mr. Foodie? I uh, just love going to new restaurants. It's also kind of like my business development tool to, uh, to get in with those restaurant owners. Mm-hmm. But uh, me and my girlfriend, we just we're big foodies. We love finding those new restaurants, figuring out what they're really good at and just sharing it up with all of our friends and followers of where to go. Um, but yeah, food is uh, the, the shortcut to my heart for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also just, you know, I'm a big family guy. You guys are big family guys. Uh, food has just always been a way to connect with family and sit down, together. sit down. And uh, yeah. so I like to bring, I want to bring our clients out to these kind of like stupid good eats lunches and mm-hmm. say, hey guys, we're and gals, we're going to meet up at this said new restaurant. Let me know if you can make it and uh, try to do it that way. Try to bring more than just one or two people together. Try to make it like more of like a family kind of a setting yeah, so yeah. that people can meet each other and try new food. So a new give, restaurant. give a couple of plugs, if you don't mind. What's what are three restaurants in the South oh, Jersey Philly area? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. I know. <laughs> Our one that always comes to mind in Philly, it's over in Pashyunk. It's called um, Ember and Ash. It is this really good, uh, they, they fire, smoke, everything in the restaurant. Their meats are amazing. If you are a carnivore, highly recommend that place. Mm. They have really good drinks as well. Um, in the local area, I love Korean food. Dalsot House is one of my favorites. That's right. Shout out to 70, Craig. Right? Yep. Right yeah, on yeah, 70. I still haven't tried that. I got to get over there. Oh, those dude. wings you, look Did you killer. just tint at them, right? Yeah. We yeah, tinted those that. windows. I see that building. You know, I'm past that all the time. time. I've always seen it. I'm like, yeah, it looks nice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dollsot House, definitely one. And then um, probably a hidden gem that not many people know is uh, Kitchen 519 down in Runnymede. Hmm. Really good new American spot. Uh, He also loves smoking meats. He's got a smoker out in the parking lot. They're like farm to table too, aren't they? It's like locally sourced. Everything's locally sourced. Where is it? In Runnymede? Right up the street from Kid Rips, whatever that that main street is. Oh, yeah, yeah. It used to be a bank, right? 
No, it used to be a gas station. Oh, gas station. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking of the restaurant. You would definitely just drive right by it. It's very unassuming, but it's it's killer. We mm. Yeah, I would say like once a quarter, June, and it's BYOB. Yes. Which is yeah, always yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah You're a big rest, restaurant guy too, Joss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> love just checking. I haven't been to a restaurant in like I, three I, months. <laughs> I do. We do a lot of the bougie ones when we get out just because we only we get out so often. Yeah. So I'm like, if we're going to do it, I, I need the whole, yeah. you know, I'm an experienced guy. Yeah. I want to create the memories. Yeah. John's always the TikTok video. Yeah, of course. Of course. Got to have the recap. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a new one in Collingswood. I think it just opened up. It's a uh, Paloma. Oh, okay. That one's really good. It's like modern Mexican with a little bit of European oh, fusion in Mexican there. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> so Tacos and Mars. Just had Chipotle for the lunch. So good. <laughs> I live with this that. This will blow Chipotle <laughs> away for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, real quick. So we were talking kind of, you know, big picture moving forward. So what do you see? What is, uh, what's like the three to five year plan now for 2-2? Where are we going? Yeah, you know, I was listening to one of your podcasts earlier today, or earlier today, and um, I forget who the guest was, but they spoke about going from being an owner operator to an owner to an investor, and uh, that really struck a chord with me. And I think that's kind of where I'm at these next three to five years. Is I was an owner operator, now I'm trying to become a real owner, where we're trying to build out that team, build out that organizational structure, so yeah. that. Um, it's a real business. It doesn't run or it doesn't require me to run and generate revenue. Uh, so that's really where I'm at. Probably in these next three years is my goal is to really be a, a real owner. Uh, and then hopefully five, 10 years is that's when we start to make that transition to investor. So there's, this definitely is not going to be the only thing that I do in my career. Yeah, the foundation. That's yeah. where people, I think yeah. Ty and I talk about all the time, people have that misconception of you need seven income streams to be like the, the super successful person. But most millionaires have that, but they perfected one thing. Yes. And then they diversified. And I love that you say like being the owner and the only way you do that is growing through people and empowering them. Yes. So that basically means next three years, you're looking higher management teams, just yep. have people that can really handle the day-to-day -day front of the house, back of the house. Yeah. And execute it at least 70 to 80% of what John Lorenzo would do. Correct. I, honestly, when I'm not in the business, they operated way better than John Lorenzo mm. could. I have now <laughs> become the bottleneck. Yeah. You know, people always want to come talk to me and it's great, but John doesn't get the work done anymore. Mm. So yeah. if you really want your projects worked on, Go to Felicia, go to your account manager. They are the ones who are going to get your stuff done. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're talking to me, I'm juggling like 10,000 things like you guys yeah. are. Um, yeah, right now you're the face. Lost. I'm the yeah. face. You got to, right. yeah, you got to evolve into, you know, back of the house. Correct. Back of the scenes and get new faces out there. Yeah, absolutely. You That's know? the transition that we're in. And um, I keep telling my guys right now that we're like a, we're a million dollar food truck. You know, we're a million dollar food yeah. truck that needs to convert to a restaurant. Yeah. You know, when you're a food truck, a lot of the times you're at the window taking the orders, collecting Cooking. the money, and then you're <laughs> moving over to the fryer, the, the griddle right next door and making that, that, you know, and, and that's where we need to make that switch. We need to grow up for being this awesome food truck uh, to being a restaurant. And hopefully we can make that happen. I know we will. Yeah. Loving all the food exciting. analogies. Definitely getting hungry. Big now. food. Yeah. That's yeah. exciting stuff. But um, so before we uh, we end here, I, I ask every guest this. So I know you talked about the Penn State, that whole thing. But I guess give us another failure that you've had in your past um, that really taught you a lot. And like, what was that lesson? Rookie mistake. Uh, I'll. I'll I kind of heard that as like a rookie mistake, something well, that I wish I could get back. Life, you know, when you were younger, any failure that taught you, you know, one not many that 
pop up to mind, I'm sure, if I thought about it more. But one of the things that I should have done earlier is pay myself. Mm. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, when they start, they're going to be like, I'll get my paycheck eventually, eventually, and yeah, eventually. Reinvest, reinvest, uh, reinvest, 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 reinvest. But uh, I was lucky that when I started my business, I was 22 years old. I was able to live at home. I, my mom would never let me go hungry. There was always food in the fridge. They didn't charge me rent. They just said, hey, get your life situated. So I was very lucky and very fortunate in that sense. Uh, and But it was also my downfall where I never paid myself. I would only take what I needed. And um, you can't sustain that, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you are an entrepreneur and maybe you have a family already. Well, it's you, possible. It's possible, but it's not it's not possible if you have real bills. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you have kids and stuff, it's impossible to that's why a lot of people like to your point with the employees, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you're in your thirties, our age, right? You're a millennial, you're an employee, yeah. you got a family, you got a mortgage, you got, you know, car bills, yeah, like, whatever. A you got a ton of bills. Dice, man. Am I gonna go out on my own and not make money for the next mm -hmm. year? A lot of people can't do that. No. You know? And, and like sometimes people have that entrepreneur vision of like grandiose, right? Like I got to build the next Apple. Like, do you need to build the next <laughs> Apple? How much money do you and your family really need to live a rich life? You know, your rich life, everybody's mm -hmm. rich life is a little bit different. It's not all the same. So maybe that number is a hundred thousand. Maybe that number is two, maybe it's three, maybe it's half a million. You got to know what that number is and then figure out, is this business able to get me there? And what do I, what is it going to take for me to go from owner operator to owner to investor? Those yeah. are stages. Yeah. What, what yeah. I love about that too, especially as you're saying in your twenties, cause you know, I, I do a decent amount of stuff with high school kids and like some of the colleges. And that's like, the question is like, you know, what should, where should I be? What should I be doing? And I think your point is take the risks when you're young. I mean, yeah. before you're 37 with four kids and married, and yeah. it's like, then you have roots and you can only be, you know, so flexible in that. But it's like, learn all the lessons. Because if yeah. you can, if there's already a roof that's provided, if there's going to be even ramen noodles, you know, in the cupboard, whatever it is, that is the time to risk it all because you're still so young and you can rebound. Yeah. The later you get in life, the more the bills stack up, the more responsibilities you carry. You just, you can't rebound as quickly. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, Ty's point, you're just, you're too afraid of failure that that's where all of your energy goes. And you know, where they say where focus goes, energy flows. So if you believe you're going to fail before you start, you're right. Yeah. It's yeah. not going to work. So yeah, if, if, if you're young and you're starting this business, do it now. Yeah. Cause you have so much time to recover. Uh, and even like all the skills that we learn as entrepreneurs, those are skills that are, you can take to a job. Those yeah, are absolutely. real skills that are valuable to any company. So yeah. even if you fail early, if you, if you do, you're going to be able to recover. And mm -hmm. those skills that you learned, Remember, learning is a lot of times failure is just the best opportunities to learn. Yeah. So, yeah, don't 100%. Be afraid to fail. And even if, you know, even if you are older and you have that urge to start a business, you know, even maybe just getting started with, say, you're working an eight to five or whatever, using that other time, mm -hmm. you know, there's a how many more hours in, in the day and weekends and everything to just get up and running, so, so to speak, and start to see that it is true. You can do it. And then you yeah. can gradually, you know, kind of go into whatever you're passionate about. Especially yeah. like nowadays, life is so freaking expensive. Mm -hmm. If you have a job yeah. <laughs> that can cover your benefits, like that's huge. Yeah. And then how much more money do you need? Like what is the gap from where you are right now, income wise, to where you need your rich life to be? 
And can you make that gap happen with the amount of hours that you have left in your day? Mm -hmm. You don't have, everybody just wants to build a million dollar business, million dollars, million dollars. You don't need that sometimes. Sometimes, like right now I'm talking to, we're doing a logo project for someone who is a nurse and she actually helps uh, mothers uh, with the importance of breastfeeding. So she's almost, she's like the boob doctor kind yeah, of. She yeah, helps with lactation. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah. Lactation yeah. consult. She's a lactation <laughs> specialist. Got 19 kids, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Justin definitely knows a thing or two about that. But um, I'm talking to her and she's she's like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm like, why? She's like, I'm 60. I'm like, mm. kudos to you for still having that energy to even think about doing something like this. Yeah. She's like. Oh, you're right. Like I was like, you don't have to build a big old business. Like it, when you think about your business, when it's successful, do you see other employees that are lactation specialists that are helping the clients? And she was like, no, not really. I'm like, okay. So you need this business to work for you and to kind of make that gap. Mm-hmm. So it's not as big of a risk. You're not trying to replace your nursing salary and benefits with a new business. Uh, you're just trying to supplement it mm-hmm. and live the best life that you can. Yep. Now, that's that's what people have to be realistic also when it comes to their businesses. Sometimes it's not building this behemoth of a business. Sometimes you just need a little help living that rich life. Yeah. 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 And I mean, people would be surprised if they just kind of look at their time and mm-hmm. kind of see what they're doing with their time. Because, you know, one of the other biggest, um, biggest I don't know what the word is, but I guess going against like opening or starting their own business is that if they are working full time, well, they don't have enough time. Um, But then, you know, you see clips all the time, like look at what you're doing after that five Mm -hmm. o'clock. You're getting dinner. You're maybe throwing the TV. You're watching Netflix. You just spent five hours, you know, really probably not doing much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot more time is time in the day and and weeks and months and so, you know, so on that, you know, just kind of look at what you're doing uh-huh. and trying to figure that out and where you can fit in that time. I if think you that's... work an extra hour, right, Just An mm-hmm. extra hour a day by the end of the week is almost like you worked a whole nother day. Oh, a thousand percent. Right. Well, they even say right. just it? that math. Yeah. Just that one day. That's one eight hour hours. It's a full day. That's right. I think they say yeah. if you do, Jesse Isler talks about it, 18 minutes a day on something will put you in the top 1% for performance. Yeah, for like a year or something, yeah, right? Yeah, for a year straight. Yeah. Yep. Well, you're right. And I think that's what, I think we've all done 75 hard. Have you done that in the past? He's right. on it. Failed it. Oh, He's on go. it. Right, oh. but I, was <laughs> I thought you were say, doing it right now. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm yeah. trying. I think one of the biggest lessons you learn from that, right, is how you much time find. we waste. Yeah. Yeah. You have more than enough time. Yeah. And that's what you're always the most efficient when you have a very concise, this is what I need to accomplish today. And you check you gotta those plan boxes. It out. Have yeah. to. Yeah, you got to plan it out. Yeah, it's everything has to be like already pre-thought mindset. And that's why I tell people, yeah. they're like, oh, I think I'm going to try 75 hard. I'm like, well, you're going to fail. Yeah. yeah. Do it. Just mm-hmm. show up, do yeah. it. Make it a non-negotiable. Figure out your schedule. Yeah, because if you don't know what book you're reading and if you're like, oh, kind of him with my diet. Yeah, I'll figure out. Like, I'm going to go to this networking <laughs> event still and you know you're not going to go walking at 1130 yeah. at night. Like. Yeah, you have to put the time and energy into it. Live yeah. an intentional life. That's, That's what you got to do. Live 100%. an intentional life. And live life. it loudly, baby. Yes, sir. Love it. Well, I think that's a great way to sign off then. So um, thank you so much for listening to us here. If you did last this long, um, before you, again, end this episode, go like and subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, all the platforms, we're on there. Please show us some love. Hit that little bell, too, on YouTube. So uh, get I all love the notifications. <laughs> Hit them, Joe, with the... 
<laughs> awesome sauce. Well, John, thanks so much for being on, brother. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Awesome. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. Justin, sign us off. Best day ever, y'all. Best See day ever, time. fam.